0: So you got your Bibles. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to have just a look at a couple of things this morning. Matthew is such a good book. And if you go to Mark, it's also a good book. Luke, uh, good book. John, good book. Really. So the Gospel of Matthew. Go anywhere in Matthew because we'll get there somewhere. Sometime, but in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, it's really interesting. I just wanted to just share with you something this morning concerning words, your words. What do say, my words? So, oh, my word. Yes, your word. So, in your words. We know that words are powerful. Isn't that right? And so, this is a big subject. It's bigger than what we can cover this morning or even in three or four mornings. But I just want to touch on something this morning. You already know that your words are powerful. Isn't that right? Your words have created force. And if we are created in the image and the likeness of God, one of the first things that we see is that God had authority and creative ability. And that was expressed in His Words. In the beginning, God said. What did He say? Said. In other words, He spoke. He used words, and those words were creative and powerful, and they shaped the entire universe that we live in. Amen. And God said, "Let there be. Let there be." And there was. And so we are created in the image and likeness of God, and that is repeated to us and demonstrated to us in John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word. So he wasn't just God, he was the Word. And then it goes on to say, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not even just like God, the Word was God. So in other words, that tells us that you are inseparable from your words. Your words are an expression of you yourself, an expression of your intellect, it's an expression of your ability, it's an expression of who you are, and your words are powerful. So much so that in the playgrounds, children say, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but your words will never hurt me, and they go home and they're, <laughs> they're hurt by those words, you know, that somebody said to them nastily. But your words have creative ability, creative power. Your words can bless, your words, can curse. Your words Words can create either the correct world for you or the incorrect word for you. Isn't that right? You came into salvation very much because of your words. Because Paul tells us in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that Jesus was crucified. He was buried. If you believe it in your heart, confess with your mouth, you are saved. And he says it in verse 9 of Romans chapter 10. For if you believe in your heart, you are justified. If you confess with your mouth, you are saved. You didn't just slip silently into the kingdom of God and were born again. Somewhere, when you came into the kingdom of God, somewhere there was a confession following a belief in your heart. Now, let me just throw in something practical here. Your words are powerful only and creative only when there's a belief in the heart that's followed up with those words. So often, and a lot of churches got so hooked up on this that you couldn't even say, as just admitting a reality, oh gosh, I'm sick today. Well, your words are creative. You're going to get what you asked for. No, I've already got it. I didn't even ask for it, and I've already got flu. I didn't walk around saying, I have flu, I have flu, I have flu, and got flu. No, no, I got flu. But I can get well if I confess, but by his stripes I'm healed. So I like it, as what Andre often says, to say I am sick is a fact. But it's not an admission of truth. The truth is God's word. So I'm not confessing something with power and authority that I believe in. It's an admission of truth, of a reality. I have flu. But my confession is behind which I place authority because I believe it in my heart. Therefore, I confess with my mouth, by his stripes, I am healed. Then it's God's authority. Unless there's a wicked intent in your heart to say, I curse you and there's something behind it, then those words have power. But there is such a thing as careless words or idle words. Is that good? And so words are really important. Look at the person next to you and say, it matters what you speak. So the thing that I want to point out to you is this, and I've said it many times, it is important for us, notwithstanding what I've just said, it is important for us to watch our words. Jesus said, Take heed unto what you hear or what you listen to. It's very important for you, yourself, to be speaking the right things because you are the person in your life you believe the most. So if you're saying, oh, this is bad and this is bad, you are listening to yourself say things and you believe, whether you like it or not, you believe 100% of what you speak That's why it's important for us. Paul tells us in Hebrews 13, I think it's verse 15, that the fruit of our lips should be praised to His name. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, that it may benefit those who listen. And the most important person is you. That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's why it's important for us. And Toby Mac, you know, sang that song. um, Speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. We need to be speaking the word to educate ourselves. We need to brainwash ourselves. Because we have got stinking thinking and we need to be repeating the word of God to renew our minds. Is that good? Watch your words. So it's very important for us to be hearing what we speak. So in Matthew chapter 7, the apostle Paul tells us this. Matthew chapter 7. And um, it's, it's really, really some good passages of scripture over here. But in Matthew chapter 7, it's very interesting that he talks about this in verse 15. He says, and he's talking about false prophets. You also get false apostles. You also get false teachers. You also get false Evangelists. You also get false pastors. It's not just the prophets. Okay? Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Listen to this. ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth, what? Good fruit. But a corrupt tree will bring forth, what? Evil fruit. So, in other words, really simple, really simple. Jesus is giving a simple lesson. All right, class, good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. Thus, class, by the power of deduction, you shall know them by their fruits. Very simple, isn't it? But it also goes one step further than that. And so, go with me to Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 and um, so this is going to be both good news and bad news. Okay, so, so everybody say, get ready. It's going to be good news. It's going to be bad news. Okay. So either make the tree good. So, right, so I'm connecting it to Matthew 7. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. So a bad tree can only produce bad fruit. Yeah. A good tree will only produce good fruit. Yeah. Thus by their fruits you shall know them. Yeah. Now Jesus says, well, okay, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruits. Okay, really simple. And so, you know, you can go to Genesis now, you know, eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But let's just leave it and just try and restrict the message this morning. And so, Matthew 12. I'm in verse 33. And then he says, verse 34: O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? Okay, this is giving you a clue. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Everybody say, what's inside comes out. Okay? Out of the abundance of the heart. Bev and I have had a few words in our time of marriage. And this is one of the verses she likes to quote me Careful, Jono, careful, Jono boy, out of the abundance of the heart. Oh, yeah, Amen? So it's those occasions when your family and your church preach back to you. You know when the pastor's a little bit negative sometimes. Yeah. But Pastor John, you said, ah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Amen? And so out of the abundance of the heart, what speaks? The mouth speaker. Where does the mouth speak? Out of the abundance of the heart. And so a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, listen to this, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Verse 37, for by thy words... Thou shalt be justified, and by thy words, thou shalt be condemned. Sila. Pause. Think. The good news is this. Jesus was not speaking those words to believers. Well, they were sort of. He was speaking those words to the Pharisees. So what he was saying to the Pharisees, because they were saying, read the preceding verses prior to verse 33. They were saying, it is by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that he's doing this. He has the devil in him. This is demonic works. And Jesus said, blasphemy against the Son and against God can be forgiven. You can blaspheme me. But blasphemy against the Spirit, not in this age, or the age to come shall be forgiven. The age to come was not heaven when you die. It was in the New Testament, the gospel, this age that we live in. He was saying you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit and be forgiven. Now, he's not talking about, now how many of you know, before you were saved, you blasphemed the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about, you know, speaking things in ignorance. He was talking about people who were supposed to know. He was talking about people with knowledge. He was talking about the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, who knowingly, knowingly, deliberately, with conscious, you know, informed, consciously speaking against the Holy Spirit. And he said, that can't be forgiven. But even if they did repent, they would have been forgiven if they had got out of that mindset. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, now, look at the person next to you and say, that doesn't apply to you. Okay? Okay. Why does it not apply to you? Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that right? So you've made a different confession. Isn't that right? So you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Therefore you are saved. So you will not be judged by your words because you spoke the correct words that brought you into the kingdom. Now I need to put in a however. However... We still need to be responsible with our speaking because of stuff I said earlier. Because it has the potential to hurt, but it also has the potential to bless. And listen, we are of the blessing company. We are of the encouraging group. Is that okay? So it's very interesting. Paul says this in James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, from about verse 3, he starts to talk about the power of the tongue. And he's talking to believers here. And he says, you've got to understand that though you're not going to be judged and given account for idle words, we want to understand that there is still something that that this tongue must be employed to do. So one of the most amazing things is this, is that um, all of our being came under the lordship of Jesus. Is that right? So when we got saved, basically the confession was, Jesus, you're my Lord, after forgiving my sins. So given the power of the tongue, James talks about, he says, listen, big powerful beasts, men, for example, horses, put a bit in his mouth, and that big animal can be turned left, right, stop, go, because of something in his mouth. He says, there's a, a big ship, massive, tons and tons of wood or metal or whatever, and that whole ship, when the wind fills the sails and it's driven across the ocean, it's a tiny little rudder. That turns the ship. He says, another example. Look at that massive forest. That entire forest can be devastated and destroyed by just one little spark that can set it all on fire. says, the same power in your tongue. He says, it's a world of evil amongst the members of your body. Connected to the words of Jesus. Out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. So words are very powerful. Words can bless. Words can wound. So James says this. I'm so glad it's not Pastor John. You can't even get upset with me. James says this. The tongue is a world of evil amongst the members of the body. As a believer, it can be set on fire by the flames of hell, and if you look at the word there, malicious speaking in the original Greek is the same word for demon. And he says, if you speak evil of a brother or a sister in the law, you are speaking directly the communication of hell inspired of demons. Should I repeat that again? He says, if you speak against And James takes it even further in chapter 4, verse 19. He says, if you speak against a brother or sister who is made in the image of God, you are then judging as of the law and you are speaking against the law. And because the law is more righteous than you, if you bring a judgment against the law, the law itself will judge you. You put yourself under the judgment of the law if you speak against a brother or a sister in Christ. It's quiet now. now. Now it's quiet. Even live stream is quiet. Amen So he's saying it's direct, demonic communication. You've been inspired of hell. And James says this, "How can the same fountain bring forth both fresh water and salt water? It's the same mouth that blesses God, and it's the same mouth that curses your brother. How can you do that? And so he's saying this mixed fruit. Put it in the words of Jesus, "Make the tree good, and the fruit will be good." words are powerful. So in our teaching this morning, I want to just talk and bring out a few points. So first of all, I want to just say even the construction of your words needs to be important. And so we need to carefully select our words. Uh, give you two radically different examples of men who swayed nations, influenced them both positively or negatively. On the bad side, let's take Adolf Hitler. There were many others, like Stalin and Mussolini and others, who were powerful orators, and with the evil that was in them and the platform they had, but with their words, they swayed countries. Galvanized people against them. And so, you know, world wars were formed. But praise God for good people that stood up. Praise God for an obnoxious Winston Churchill who stood up and galvanized the British and the allies and spoke and and they fought off great evil. Okay, And they did it with words. Winston Churchill knew how to use words and construct words. One of my favourite is, you know, when he called an honorable member in parliament a fool. And uh, the member of parliament objected. And the Speaker of the House said, "Uh, Prime Minister, you need to apologize. And he apologized like this. He said, I called the honorable member a fool. It is true, and I am sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There's a way with words. (laughs) (laughs) You know? It's reported that there was a lady that hated him so much. And she said to him, she said, Winston, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your coffee. He immediately turned and said, Nancy, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. (laughs) It's words. Words. Amen? One day he was drunk, and a member of parliament's wife came to him and said, Sir you are drunk. He said, yes, I am. And in the morning, I'll be sober, but you'll still be ugly. (laughs) Now, that's not how to win friends and influence people, is it? (laughs) Amen. And so, you know, Winston Churchill mastered language, and it's something that we need to be able to do. One day on the streets of London, um, somebody, because he was the prime minister then during the Second World War, prime minister of England, and somebody called him a fool. And the police arrested this man and put him in jail. And next day in the House of Commons, some parliamentarians stood up and said, have we now become a police state that we curb freedom of speech? Is nobody allowed to call the prime minister a fool? And immediately Winston Churchill stood up and said, he wasn't arrested because he called me a fool. It was that in a time of war, he released a state secret. (laughs) So... (laughs) brothers 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 let me educate you on the use of words brethren you don't walk into the house and go what's cooking what's that smell you you don't you don't you don't walk into the house when your wife is cooking and say what smells you know what's that smell when your wife is cooking you go that smells delicious what are you cooking? Because otherwise your wife will go like, what do you mean? There's a town smell table. Don't you like my food? No, no, I was just asking, what's that smell? So you've got to have to learn how to use words. I did make that mistake once where I walked in and I said, oh, where did you get that dress? Why? Well, what's the matter with it? <laughs> no, no, I was just asking where you got it. Well, does it look? No, it looks lovely. I was just... So you learn how to say, wow, that looks nice. When, when did we buy it? <laughs> So we have to learn. Isn't that right? So listen to what James says. James says this. James says the one who masters his tongue is the one who's mature. Sign of your maturity is the fact that you can master your tongue. That you don't shoot your mouth off before you've been able to engage it into first gear. Some of us have got to learn how to speak and speak up. Others of us have got to learn how to put the handbrake on the tongue. And um, I'm so glad that I'm so thick that when people say things and, I, and they're, they're saying derogatory things to me, I'm so thick, you know, I think everybody likes me that I go, ha, ha, ha. And it's only after I go like, hey, when I see them again, I'm going to give them a the piece of my mind. <laughs> you know, so I'm glad that my brain is a little bit, a little bit slow. I mean, I have, you know, at times blown it, but, but anyway, so we need to, learn how to speak. We've got to be able to control our tongues. We need to. The Proverbs talks about it as setting a guard over our mouths because words are so effective and words are so powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue. If we look at our salvation, life and death was in the power of our tongue. If we look at our creative power, our creative ability, life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can keep speaking death of yourself and eventually you will persuade yourself and you will shape your future. But we need to learn how to speak life. But listen, conversely as well, or in addition to that, remember that we can speak death to people as far as their self-image is concerned or we can speak life to people. We can speak death into their circumstances when they're down and out and we go, "Yo, you're not going to make it. You know, you, No, you're not going to make it. You know? Gee whiz. You know? And the bank manager did that, and you're fired from work. Oh, yeah, you finished. You know? Instead of, we can speak a life, and we're going to say, you can make it. Is that okay? You're going to make it. You're going to win this thing. And so life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we need to understand that. So we need to guard our hearts. If my words are as a result of the good that is stored up in me, then first of all, I need to be storing up the good. Because Jesus made me good, His blood, but then I need to be storing up in the good. That's why Paul says, meditate on whatever is right, good, pure, noble, praiseworthy, excellent. Meditate, think on these things. Because listen, you know, it's like, what is it, giggy with computers. Garbage in, garbage out. Is that okay? Whatever you put into the computer is going to come out at the press of a key. Whatever you put into yourself, that is what is going to come out. So good stuff in. Good stuff out. Good stuff in. That's why we need to be confessing and speaking yeah. His word. And guarding our heart because from it are the issues of life. You know, something that I realized. Years ago, I was talking to a man. And I'm sort of very apostolic guy. And we're just talking. And I said, I just want to share my heart with you. He said, he said I picked your mind a long time ago. Yeah. He said, as you began to speak, you revealed what was in your heart. And he was saying it as a compliment. He said, You've already, he said, I've already picked your brain. It's come out of your heart. He said, I already know what kind of a person you are. And it made me understand that's why psychologists and psychiatrists can ask you three or four questions, put their writing pad down, and basically sum up your life. Because in those few questions, because they've studied the makeup of people, in those few questions, they already know where you're at and what you're going through and, and all of the stuff that's going on. You see, John said this, test the spirits. Test the spirits and see whether they're from God. We think it's some super spiritual feeling. And John was quite clear. No, listen to what they say. Listen to their doctrine. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Is that right? So listen to their doctrine about Christ, and you will know whether they are true spirits or wrong spirits. Is that good? And so you know if a person is always speaking angry things, you will you know they've got an angry spirit. It's all those other Christians out there. Okay. Not our live stream audience because they're as holy as you. Amen? It's it's other places. And so so we need to understand this. And so words are very, very important. So I changed that little playground parable. You ready? Sticks and stones have hurt your bones, but my words will heal you. Sticks and stones have hurt your bones, but my words will heal you. So our words need to be healing. Our words need to be healing. Go with me to Jeremiah 8. Look at the person next to you and say, let me give you these words of advice. Pastor John's speaking to you, so you should listen. Jeremiah chapter 8. Um, Jeremiah chapter 8. And then what I'm going to do is these couple of verses from verse 4. Maybe put it in the NIV translation and uh, we'll follow it there. But just follow it in your Bibles. These verses are very powerful. I want you to listen to them really want you to listen to them. In Jeremiah 8, uh, verses 47, we'll, we'll have a look at those words now. And not in, not in a, a condemning manner do I want to share this with you, but in, in, from a point of view of encouragement, is that God is always listening to what we speak. Because what we speak matters to Him. Because it says... He watches over His Word. Let me put it in brackets, in my mouth, to perform it. So He's watching over His Word. He's not watching over the Bible. He's watching over His Word. Now, He has spoken His Word to us. If the Word has gained entrance into my life and it's owned, I will then speak that Word. So He watches over the sown Word. But then he watches over the spoken, prophesied, declared word. So I believe in my heart what he said in his word about Jesus. Then he's watching over me to hear when I profess. And he says, you saved. Amen. He's watching all the time and listening to hear my prayers. Spoken, unspoken, just uttered within the womb of my spirit. He's watching over his word to perform it amen he's what you with me he's what so our words matter so God is always listening listen I want to just say this is that if you blow it if you mess up God is listening to hear what kind of words you will speak if there's self justification there is no forgiveness if there's repentance there's immediate forgiveness Because he's watching over your words. And he says it here to Israel. He said, listen, you've come so far in your wickedness and your sin. I just want to ask you some questions. He says, when men fall down, do they not get up or do you just stay on the ground? Everybody who trips and falls doesn't just lay there and go, oh, I'm down now. I might just stay here. No, we were created to get up and walk. Isn't that right? He says, when a man turns away, does he not return? In other words, if you take the wrong route and you're lost, you try and find your way back. Yeah. 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 Is that true? Listen to this. Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit and they refuse to return. Why don't they turn back? So next verse. He says, I have listened attentively. So in all of their backslidings, God was saying, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. He says this, but they do not say what is right. He was listening, he wanted them to say something. Wow. 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 Backwards. Wow. 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 But wow. Isn't it amazing? I've listened attentively, but they did not say what is right. No one repents of his wickedness saying, what have I done? Each pursues his own course like a horse charging into battle. Listen, it's important for us to realize that God is listening to our language. He's listening to our conversations. Not only between ourselves, but he's listening to our own conversation for ourselves, concerning ourselves. I really blew it. Jesus, forgive me. You're forgiven. He's listening because he wants to forgive. Amen. He wants us to turn. He wants us to change. You know, what are we saying? It's really interesting to me that there's a lot of people that don't know how to say, I was wrong, I am sorry. It's like Winston Churchill says, you know, I like learning, I just don't like being taught. (laughs) What is that in us that doesn't like that, you know? We like to do the correcting, but we don't like correction. We like instructing, but we don't like instruction in return. Winston Churchill said this, we've got to know that there's a time to stand up and speak, but we also need to know that there's a time to sit down and shut up and listen. And so it's really important for us to understand that God is listening attentively. It's amazing. World wars could have been resolved if somebody had the courage to stand up and say, we were wrong or I was wrong, please forgive me but being charged like horses into battle and uh, took millions of lives because there was no repentance. Repentance is really, really important. It's amazing to me how many mature, supposedly mature Christians can't even say, to you, I, in that situation I was really wrong, I blew it, forgive me. It's very important what you say. It's very important. Husbands and wives, you should know this. But church, we should know this. We should be able to say to somebody, gosh, I I was really wrong there. Would you please forgive me? Instead of trying to, you know, instead of saying sorry, give them a sweetie or some money or some flowers and go like, oh, gosh, I was thinking about you. Are you trying to say sorry you were wrong? Amen? You know, if I blow it and I try and give Bev something, she, she will just let me know, you know. Don't give me something. Say sorry. And then after you've said sorry, you better give me something. <laughs> See, I'm in trouble now. No, but she's right. But Beva's right. Beva's taught me a lot, and she's right. She's right. You know, we have to learn about, about how to clear a relationship and sort of thing. i say I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know how it's impossible for some people. I hope it's not for you. I hope you can say it. Say let's practice run. Let's practice run. Say I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. See how easy that is. Now try and do it with somebody that hurts your feelings now. It's really, it's important. God says, I'm listening attentively to see if you can repent. If you can turn. If you can change. Can you? A lot of things would get fixed. If you went and said, gosh, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. I'm really sorry. I was completely out of line. I was completely out of order. Sorry. Am I forgiven? Yes. Okay, yes, a chocolate. Yes, some flowers. Yeah. Here's a Coke. Whatever. So look at verse 7. Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons, and the dove, the swift, and the thrush observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements. Everybody say requirements. Of the Lord. God requires it of us. And so God inspired these verses and says, if you look in nature, you look at the mass migrations of birds and animals, when the time comes for them to turn and head in a different direction, they know how to do it. Why can we not turn and change and move and say, I am sorry? It's important for us. All right, very quickly now, first point. Everybody write down point number one. So I'm giving you some positives. Okay, number one, and that is learn how to speak less and to listen more. James says in James chapter 1 verse 19 to 20. Be slow to speak and swift to hear. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but look at the person next to you. They've got one mouth and two ears. Okay, so in other words, what we should be doing is twice as much listening as we do speaking. Don't do this to people that when they start to speak already, start preparing your answer. Because it means then you do not know how to listen. Your listening needs to be educated, concentrated, outreach with ears, mind, eyes, and heart to understand what they're saying and then to be able to speak. Is that okay? So the Bible advises slow to speak and swift to hear. Do more listening than speaking. Second one, learn how to speak wisely. It's really interesting on that note that Winston Churchill said, when the eagles are silent, the parrots begin to jabber. (laughs) Second one, speak wisely. The control of the tongue is equal to maturity. Proverbs 10, 19, one who can control his tongue is wise. Winston Churchill said this, We are masters of unsaid words, but slaves to those words we let slip out. We put ourselves in bondage to those. The control of the tongue equals maturity. So speak wisely. Thirdly, speak peacefully. We speak peaceful. um, Proverbs 15, 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath or anger, but harsh words stir up anger. So speak peacefully. Let your speech be seasoned with salt full of grace. Speak peacefully. Speak peacefully. Speak peacefully. There must be peace when you speak. Is that okay? Fourth, speak reconciling words. You can tell I like Winston Churchill. Not not everything he did was good. He could be quite obnoxious. But uh, Winston Churchill said this, I have never developed indigestion from eating my own words. (laughs) So sometimes you've got to take back what you've said and eat humble pie and swallow your own words. Gosh, I was wrong. But speak reconciling words. From Ephesians 4, verse 26, there's two parts that I want to put to this. And the first is this. If your words are like prophecy, one of the key things about prophesying, and you'll see it when we teach on prophecy, is this, that there needs to be pre-delivery assessment when you speak. You can't just stand up and speak anything that comes to your heart and mind and call that prophecy. So prophecy, there needs to be pre-delivery assessment, judgment of yourself and the information before you deliver it, because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So you don't just walk up and start pointing out people's sins. You know, God gives you information, but then there's the wisdom for the application. And then it needs to go through the filter of grace. Is that good? And you need to then, it's the way that you speak this. So if somebody's been through deep wounds, you don't speak to them harshly. You speak to them gently. There's a person in front of you, and you can see... That they are soft spoken and quieter people. You don't start, wah, 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 because immediately they'll close their heart. You speak gently. So there's pre delivery assessment before you prophesy. Is that good? And it's the same with any language, any conversation. It needs to be in the tone of prophecy because it is as powerful as prophecy. There needs to be a pre delivery judgment. Three words number one, is it true? Number two, is it necessary? Number three, will it be beneficial to them? And building up to them. If not, don't say it. Okay, I thought that was a good place to say amen. Look at the person next to you and say, that's really Pastor John's now talking to you, really. Okay? And so there needs to be that. But not only that, uh, Paul says this, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Except what is helpful for building others up. That it may benefit those who listen. Is it okay? So in other words, if somebody's sitting listening to your conversation in the wimpy in the chair behind you. And hearing you talk to somebody else, will it benefit them? Okay, it's getting really quiet. now. you're acting like convicted people. Okay, shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Say wholesome talk, wholesome talk. Can I tell you something? The more you're able to bridle your tongue and have these in place, the more powerful your prophetic word will become. Because the stream will be pure. So many people that stand up and prophesy, but the waters are muddied because they've got no control over their own tongue and their own characters. If you want to become a more powerful prophet, it's a pre delivery judgment. Speak, speak reconciling words. And then, of course, there's that great passage of scripture where it says, do not let the sun be going down on your anger. Put it with words that Jesus said. Settle with your adversary along the way. Otherwise, you'll go to court. In other words, fix an issue quickly. Don't let the sun be setting on your anger. OK? Husbands, wives, between brothers and sisters. In other words, as quickly as you can, settle the matter. Use words to disarm. Use words to bring peace. Use words to sort out relationships. Use your words. Your Words are important with your correct attitudes of course. Amen? And then fifthly, speak encouraging words. Always speak encouraging. The context of Christian speech should be encouraging. Everything we say should be Encouraging. There are scripture upon scripture, too many to mention, where it says, Encourage one another, all the more you see the day approaching. Encourage, encourage, encourage is that great proverb that says, Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word aptly or fitly spoken. And that's how we need to speak polished arrows, words that are powerful. Um, I like what Winston Churchill said You have enemies. Good, because it means that at some time, somewhere in your life, you stood for something that is good. You're going through a tough time. Maybe it's not the fact that you sinned or blew it. Maybe it's because you've done a lot of things right, and you have an enemy of your soul that is trying to trip you up. Maybe it's a backhanded compliment from the kingdom of darkness to say you're on the right track. Keep going. It was Winston Churchill that said, if you are going through hell, keep going because you're going through. Just don't stop. Okay? It was him that said that. Winston Churchill. I salute you, Winston. I hope you're in the cloud of witnesses. You know, otherwise, uh, still said some good stuff. Amen. Speak, speak loving words. 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 You know, in South Africa, you know, we breed men tough. I have said this before. A few years ago, my mom's generation, the men were men and the women were also men. You know, they could roll wagons and they could do all this thing and pull wagons over the mountains and things like this. And then they would sit down and eat a steak with this much fat on and they didn't have cholesterol. But it was because because they pulled wagons, you know. Um, And they plowed and they did all sorts of things, you know. And... uh, a lot of the average women in those days could knock out a man today. <laughs> That's how tough they were. And uh, But you know that, brothers, God created you with emotions in your soul as well as muscles in your body. And not only do we need to be romantics with our wives, but we need to be able to speak loving words to one another. It's very interesting that Paul when he writes to one of the churches, he says, "Greet the brothers with a kiss." You know, and today when I greet one of you brothers with a kiss, you go blood red. Except Colin, he kisses you back. I'll kiss you on the cheek. Colin will kiss you on the mouth. You know, I did it to Zane one day. <laughs> where Zane was standing in the back, and I went up and I went to give him a kiss on the cheek, and he turned and gave me a good sloppy kiss straight on my mouth. So that's when I went red. Okay, and uh, so. So jokes aside, we need to be able to speak lovingly to one another. I'm really sorry. I I honor you. I I want to encourage you. There needs to be a softness in us. Most churches, I like what Andre says. He tells every pastor, he brings you, listen. He tells them before they get you, listen, when you get into that church, you are going to get hugged more than once. You most definitely are going to get a kiss, even by some of the men. So he warns all the pastors that come here. It's so interesting when they walk in, they're like, first they're like ironing boards. You know, you know. And then we do the man hug. You just tap with a shoulder. You know. If you want to know biblically how to hug, speak to, you know, Hamry and Marinda. They'll tell you, you know. You know, right side to right side, heart to heart, hug, breathe in and out and hold. I mean, that's going to challenge your security, eh? Woo! Amen. I like it when Garth joined the church and uh, Garth Nelson. And he came in and, he, you know, he was so skitsy and, and everything like cause. He's a roller, you know. And, uh, you know, and so he's a little bit from that era still. And I remember, you know, he came into the church and, you know, you go up to hug him. and He's like, hey, China, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, he's going to box you, you know. And the one day I walked up to him to give him a hug. And then, I mean, he, he, was, he said like really unkind things. But it was all out of defense, out of his own insecurity. You know, he said it to me, you know, like. And, and I, I walked up to him. I just kept walking up and I put my arms around him. I said, hey, God, you can say whatever you want to say. You can try and get. I said, I will never reject you. Never. You can say the cruelest, unkindest things. And I said, I'm not, I won't even take them to heart. And I said, I'm just going to love you forever. And he stood there like a, like a. Like a paw, you know? And I hugged him like this. Then Uncle Rocky came up to me and said said to me, Pastor, are we going to win this man? He says, I'm going to hug him and kiss him every time he comes in here. (laughs) So listen, if the Holy Spirit's not going to get you, Uncle Rocky will get you. He's going to hug you and kiss you. And let me tell you, Uncle Rocky kissed and hugged all the starch out of him. (laughs) Until he was hugging back, yeah, China. Now when he comes here, he hugs me like I used to hug him. He's got saved. Come on. In our actions, in our speech, we need to learn how to be able to look at somebody and speak to them with love. Men. Is that good? It's Christian stuff. So, in conclusion, our words. God says, I'm listening carefully. Because, not in a negative sense, but in a very positive sense, because our speech has such power and such effectiveness to heal. In a positive sense, because God doesn't want us to be eating the fruit of those words negatively. He wants us to be eating the fruit of those words positively. He's watching over His word in our, and, and listening to our words because He wants to hear His word in our mouths so that He can start to perform those words as we shape the environment, the world around us. God is listening attentively to our words because He wants us to educate ourselves and to build ourselves up. God is listening to our words because it's a sign of maturity. And uh, the person is wise and mature, can control his tongue. If God is listening to my words and he finds those things are in place, I believe he will release the prophetic at a higher level. Because there will be maturity. So my words, amen. Just place your hands in yourselves and just start to say after me, just say, I will guard my heart, for it is the wellspring of life. For from it comes the issues of life. This tree is good. I have good treasure stored in my good heart. So my words will be good words. It will be blessing words. The fruit of my lips shall be praise to His name. I shall speak as His word, as the oracles of God. And He is watching over His word in my mouth to perform it. So I will set a guard on my mouth. For the power of life is in my tongue. So I choose. I shall speak life. I shall speak blessing. I shall speak positively. I will encourage others. I will speak life into them. I will create an environment with my words that those who listen will be encouraged and strengthened and comforted and blessed. I will speak peacefully. I will speak reconciling words. I will speak the truth only always in love, declaring those things that are not as though they are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, Father, right now with the power of words, I speak your blessing over your people. Father, I associate them with everything that's good, that's the kingdom, that's powerful, that's progress in Jesus' name. I speak into them not only the will of God expressed in those words, but I, I speak into them the energy, the power to fulfill those words. I speak to them the life force of Jesus Christ to fulfill his word. That they will be able to go out and do everything that God has declared for them in the name of Jesus. With words, I speak progress. I speak advancement. I speak breakthrough. I speak blessing in the name of Jesus. With my words, Lord, you said you sent your word and healed them. So this morning, Lord, I'm sending your word to heal not only bodies, but circumstances and situations and relationships. I speak your words to release on them opportunities, opportunities that were doors closed, that now doors open. Father, I speak your word over your people this morning, and I speak favor over them in every possible way in the name of Jesus. I speak words over their lives words that angels will accompany, words that angels who are His mighty ones who will accompany to do His bidding, to bring about the perfect plan and purposes of God in their lives, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, as Your Word has gone out this morning, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, I set a seal on it, in every mind and every heart here this morning, and that we'll be not in a legalistic way, but in a spirit grace way, we'll become conscious of the powerful effect of our words in the name of Jesus. May this be a place of wholesome speech, of healing talk. God, where your power is released at a greater level because we understand the mechanics of the spirit. God said, let there be. And Father, that your people will speak thus in Jesus' name. So I bless each one in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.